Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. This is an Irish independent podcast. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, the days are getting shorter, the weather's getting worse, and those things alone can impact our mood and make a big difference to our health and our wellness. But here on Real Health, as ever, we want to give you some tools on some of the lifestyle changes that can impact your mood for the better. We know exercise can trigger a positive feeling with all those endorphins, but what about food? Can it make us feel better? Or should we be wary of using it as a coping mechanism for when we feel low? Talking me through this, I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitian Sarah Kyo. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome back. It's nice to be back. How's it going? Grand, busy, I think. It's that time of year, isn't it? <laughs> it's chaos. Everyone yes. I talk to is really, really, really busy. That mm. whole kind of, everyone's back to school, but also, all the, you know, companies are back in person. There's lots of travelling. The weather is changing. It, it, we got, I was out for a run yesterday in Clonakilty. It was stormy. It was gale force. It was... It was lovely, actually, in a really kind of strange sense. Hmm. But uh, people are busy uh, and food is more important than ever before for keeping us on track from a mood perspective and how we feel all through the the next few months. Definitely. And I think, you know, we have such a fantastic focus on mental health over the last few years, which is just wonderful to see. And there's so many things we need to do to look after ourselves mentally as well as physically. Um, And I think what's fantastic is your food can have such an impact on that as well. And there's so many places to look and things that you can actually do. And people use food as a comforting thing, don't they? They do. But, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, I think we get stressed and life happens and it doesn't have to be big things, but it can be. Um, but we often, there's a lovely expression, we often self-medicate with food that if you're very, very stressed, you know, you might find yourself reaching for certain things. And I think what's very interesting is that one of the nutrients we typically go for when we are stressed is carbohydrate. And, you know, and I, you know, when I'm talking about this, I often say, you know, if somebody is stressed, they'll come home from work and they go, God, I had a heck of a day. I am going to have crisps or chocolate or sweet or a big bowl of pasta or whatever it is. You know, nobody ever comes home from a bad day at work and thinks, God, that was a heck of a day. I'm going to have a salad. <laughs> you know, it's it's carbohydrate. But there's a reason for that. We have receptors in our brain that are triggered when we eat carbohydrate to help us feel relaxed. So we are medicating our stress with the carbohydrate. And for you to do that now and again is absolutely fine. It really, really is. Now, if it becomes sort of a long term investment in a vast amount of carbohydrate when you come yeah, home. It's the quantity, yeah. isn't it? That's important. It is. And if it goes on for a long time, then obviously there's issues around weight and things like that. And particularly if you're going for like, you know, crisps or high fat, then maybe cholesterol is in there and that can be its own stress. But I think the odd time if you had a bad day and you have to come home and eat an ice cream or a bar of chocolate, I like I wouldn't stress over that as a way to do it. And I wouldn't fight with not doing it. Like it's good to have lots of things in the toolbox in terms of managing stress. But if your thing is to eat something, do you know something? It's better you didn't get drunk. 
he didn't maybe go out and take illegal drugs. Like there's <laughs> lots of things people do for stress. They come home and shout at their kids, you know. So I think if you came home and had a bar of chocolate, it's it's the I often think it's one of the safest things to do if you're actually looking for a way to just chill on a long after day. And is there anything in the, the, the kind of the winter concept where in the summer it's easier to eat the salads and the yes. lighter foods and in the winter we kind of psychosomatically know it's going to get cold. So we'll eat those kind of comforting, warm, mm-hmm. kind of more carb rich foods because of the fact yeah. it's getting cold in winter. And I think we do. We tend to lean into that comfort food. But I think we have to remember there's loads of comfort foods that actually are hugely beneficial. And this is the season for your stews and your casseroles and your nice hot curries and all of those things. And what you want to be doing there is getting your vegetables into it because the research, we hear so much about vitamin C and immunity and it is so important for that. But vitamin C in your brain is really important as well. And we know that lower levels of vitamin C are associated with poorer mental health. And the thing, we tend to be brilliant on the salads during the summer and we have the bit of the fruit. Wintertime, it's too cold. Like it's just too cold in Ireland. There's no point pretending we're going to eat a salad. Um, But you'll have your hot vegetable soup. You are going to have your stews, your casseroles and they're really easy things to make as well. You know, um, so they're lovely things to remember. Don't let the veg go just because it's wintertime. Yeah, we need that, the colour, the vitamins, the minerals, the antioxidants, all the lovely healthy stuff that comes from colourful fruit and veg. Keep getting, and even if it is in a soup form or a Absolutely stew form, fine. it's perfect. You know, because people say, oh, but did that boil all the goodness off? And like, really, no. Okay, yes, you're going to lose a bit of the vitamin C if you've boiled it for four hours, but it will still, you'll still get plenty. There's not none. Um, and it's definitely better than not eating the vegetables at all. You still, and the nice thing about sort of soups and stews is any vitamins that come out into the water, you're eating that as well because it's in the soup or it's in the, the stew or the casserole with it as well. And in terms of vitamins then for the winter months, so presumably D is important? Definitely vitamin D, absolutely. And we know with research around vitamin D that does help produce anxiety as well. And, you know, in Ireland, the sun that hits Ireland from October right through to March is too weak to make any vitamin D. So, you know, I hear people go, well, I go for a walk in November and it's sunny and it just doesn't matter if it's sunny, you're still not making vitamin D. And we know that over 90% of adults in Ireland don't eat enough vitamin D either. Mushrooms? What I would say is that they're grown, mostly grown indoors. The vast majority of mushrooms that we eat are grown indoors. So it depends on the actual light that is used to grow them. So you will see vitamin D on some labels for mushrooms, but other mushrooms won't have them. Okay. So you've got to be really careful on that. I see lots of people going, oh, I eat mushrooms. And you're like, well, tough, you know, your vitamin <laughs> D is still low. Um, so vitamin D foods are oily fish like salmon and mackerel and then eggs. After that, there's very little. You know, someone was asking me about butter a while ago and I, because I, I'm a nerd and a dietitian, I added it up and you'd have to eat 94 pats of butter a day to get your vitamin D. It's a lot of butter. It's a lot of butter. I'm not <laughs> recommending it. Go for the fish. Um, but okay, to be honest, so take fish, a supplement. Eggs, uh, mushrooms that are that are that are grown. Have vitamin D on it. Yeah, yeah, okay. But a supplement, you know, you're unless you're eating a lot of fish, definitely you're you're five to ten micrograms a day through the winter for sure. Vitamin B? So the B vitamins are the most interesting one when it comes to mental health, because once B vitamin levels start to fall, we do see that drop in mood, um, more anxiety, more depression, but also low energy. And sometimes the two can be confused. You're not necessarily depressed, but you're just tired and everything is an effort. And it feels you might as well be depressed, if you know what I mean with it. Um, So your vitamin B12 is incredibly important and your vitamin B12 is going to be found in animal foods. We really don't find it in plant foods. You will get some in one type of seaweed, which is called nori. Um, but other than that, we really don't oh, yeah, get I've it. Seen that in sushi. Yeah, so yes. you, that's where you'll often see it. Um, but other than that, it's milk, um, meat, eggs, fish is really where you get B12. So someone who's on a fully plant-based diet with no animal foods needs to either supplement with vitamin B12 or they need to eat foods that have vitamin B12 added. And it's often added to some of the milks and things, um, plant-based milks. Um, what can happen, though, for a lot of people is you can stop absorbing it. 
So it's an interesting, B12 is an interesting vitamin in that it needs to combine with a substance in your stomach to be absorbed. And some people have an autoimmune condition that destroys this. So even if they're eating plenty of B12, it's not coming in. So you might need an injection. If that's you, them. you've had that. They're not pleasant I, injections, I, I, but they're I, good. Years and years and years ago, I did Ironman triathlons as a vegetarian. Okay, oh, that's and tough I was going. I was B twelve deficient morning, mm. noon, and night, pretty much. Yeah, and yeah. I and I know the signs from it. It would be fatigue. I go out for a run. It would a normal run that would normally be easy would become very difficult. Mm. I'd ring my GP. I'd be straight into the GP. I'd get the injection, and two days later, I'd be. The results are incredible. Unbelievable. Like when, I, I always love if you work with somebody and the B12 is low, you're like, oh, this is going to be good. Because two days later, like, that's yeah. a miracle cure. It's incredible. Now, listen, don't rush out and start taking B12 no, injections, people, okay? Say, way, yes. Let me, that's, it's not going to work. But, you know, you might have, like, if you have celiac disease, for example, B12 yeah. is often low. Um, but as I said, on a vegetarian diet, it often drops. On a vegan diet, it's largely absent. So they're just two places to watch. But we know from studies looking at people with low levels of B vitamins, if they increase them, it really makes a substantial difference. Um, You know, B6 for anxiety. So that, you know, that kind of cheap B complex supplement is brilliant. And it's something I'd recommend a lot for people if they are having issues with mood. It's a really good place to start. And of course, check getting your bloods checked is the way to find out if you are deficient in any of these things. It is, but you know, a lot of them aren't routine tests. You'll kind of get vitamin B12 done. But again, we often talk about the worried well. You know, if you're otherwise quite well, don't be running off to get this done. But if you are really tired, um, if you are struggling, if your mood is low, I would always say start with that. Because one of the things that I've seen over the years working in clinic was people who would come in to me for advice around depression. And I'm chatting away to them and I'm going, do you know something? I think you have an underactive thyroid. And they cross over because with depression, you have that low mood, that lack of energy, lack of interest in things. And that travels with low thyroid. But with low thyroid, you also get hair loss. You know, you're cold, your skin is dry, you're constipated. And, you know, and it was interesting over the years, not a huge number, but certainly people over the years who come into me thinking they've had depression for years. But when we sent them to the GP and got checked and put them on L-troxin, again, back to normal. So I think, you know, if you have that low mood, it's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking, right, this is it. This is where I am. But, you know, something, go to the GP, get a few checks, go and see a registered dietitian. You'd be amazed what people are missing out of their diet that they don't realise. And that brings me naturally to fibre and gut yes. health and why fibre is so. And people hate talking fibre. People hate listening about fibre and bristle stool charts and all that lovely yeah. stuff. I love it because I'm fascinated by the whole thing. But it is very important for your that brain-gut axis that yes. we're seeing so much science developing from over the course of the last couple of years. And fibre is a, is a huge component huge. of that. Huge. And anyone who knows me knows that I spend a lot of my time talking about poo and um, why we, what we need to check. Um, and it is. I mean, what we do know is that we talk about serotonin, which is often referred to as our happy hormone. And initially, when research was looking at serotonin, it was very focused on the brain. But we now know that actually most of the serotonin our body makes is made in the gut. And that a healthy gut means more serotonin, means a happier mood. And so what we need to is mind the gut and you've got to get your fibre in there. And fibre helps just keep the gut moving. So you're not getting that block up with constipation and stuff hanging around. But the fibre is going to feed your gut bacteria and those gut bacteria. Now, I would say we are 100 years off understanding our gut bacteria. So anyone who's telling you they have the whole solution for everything at the moment and myself included, you know, not accurate. But we do know that when you have lots of fibre coming in, but lots of different kinds of fibre, you get different gut bacteria, you get more gut bacteria and those gut bacteria are producing compounds that we are starting to see have an impact on mental health. And I think more than any other disease, if someone has a gut disease, they are more more likely to have depression. They are more likely to have anxiety. Um, and we think it's to do with these changes in gut bacteria with it. And it's such a simple thing to add in some fibre. 
you know, get your whole grains in, add in your nuts and seeds, stick with your fruit and veg, get all of that in, um, you know, all of those things and just keep it topped up. Just don't do it all in one day. If you're increasing your fibre, do it over two weeks or you really will be complaining and your mood will not be good. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. We're chatting food and mood. And it's been really interesting so far. Simple tips, as ever, that will help to improve your mood. Uh, alcohol is an obvious one, but let's let, let's go there. Well, alcohol is kind of interesting because, you know, in terms of mood, if you are having, if you're feeling stressed, you know, a glass of wine or a beer, a lot of people will take it to relax. And, you know, it's like anything now and again, that's fine. But again, if you're leaning into alcohol as your crutch, you know, it's 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 obviously going to lead to other issues. The reason I would often talk about alcohol to clients with this is that alcohol does a couple of things. Alcohol is a depressant. So even though you might have a glass of wine and feel relaxed, it is going to pull your mood down and it might pull it down in an hour or two or it might be the next day. But overall, you're going to feel worse you know, in a little bit later. And I'm not even talking about a hangover. It's just going to pull the mood down. The other issue with alcohol, though, is the big effect it has on sleep. And we know that if your sleep is poor, if you're missing sleep, if you're getting less than seven hours sleep a night, your risk for anxiety and depression goes up quite a bit. And we do need to be looking at getting that eight to nine hours a night. And the problem with alcohol is that although if you have a drink, you might fall asleep more easily, alcohol prevents you from getting the very deep sleep where you actually rest and repair and recover. Um, And it's even where you put memories down for the day and sort through whatever's happened in the day. And, you know, if you do that on a Friday night, once a week, it's probably not having that big an effect. But if you're someone who's having one beer, one glass of wine, but you're doing that every night, it's having an issue. And so many people I've worked with over the years, you know, particularly people who maybe job is very stressful, they're coming home, they're having the glass of wine, so they're not sleeping well that night. So when they go into work tomorrow, it's a harder day. So they're having another glass of wine or a beer. And this goes on. So often when I'd be working with people, one of the first things I do is take them off alcohol altogether for about six weeks. It's not sort of a, a lifetime ban. But the idea is just to get six weeks of sleep. And sleep, you can't underestimate how important your sleep is. Even on a food choice level, you know, when you sleep, you mm. make better choices naturally Absolutely. in terms of healthy foods yep. and not so and not so unhealthy foods. Totally. I mean, you'll actually see a difference. And studies are so fascinating on this, that if you're sleeping less than seven hours a night, you typically eat 150 to 300 calories extra the next day. Wow. Um, you know, we could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but it's so fascinating the impact Note that sleep self, has we're going to bring on. You back in and talk about that. That's fascinating. <laughs> um, that's going to be the tagline of the episode: how not to eat 150 to 300 calories more per so day. So simple, yeah. Talk to me about iodine. So iodine, and this actually goes back a little bit to the thyroid. So iodine is this lovely mineral that we need and it's important for thyroid and your thyroid is involved in your metabolism. So that has the impact. If your metabolism is slower, everything is slower. Mood goes down, you know, more signs of depression. My concern with iodine at the moment is that in Ireland, we don't have a huge amount of iodine in the soil. So it's not coming up into plants and meat and so on like it would in a lot of other countries. And it's just geography. It's not that we've poisoned the soil or anything like that. It's just it's what it is. So in Ireland, we typically get most of our iodine from dairy, particularly milk. And so if you're drinking, now we're still quite borderline on it um, in Ireland at the moment anyway, for most of the research we have is in teenage girls, um, but it's quite borderline just about hitting amounts with it. What's of concern is the sort of trend at the moment for people to walk away from dairy. And a lot of people, if they don't want to take dairy, that's absolutely fine. They know they need to get calcium somewhere else, but I'm finding very few people know that they need to make up their iodine. And we are seeing big drops in iodine in people who are you who are not using dairy, where the dairy isn't coming in. Now, you will get iodine in seaweed as an alternative. You will also get iodine in uh, white fish. So we oh, tend yeah. to talk a lot about oily fish, but white fish like cod, things like that actually have quite a bit. So it's one just to watch because, again, you have such potential to affect thyroid and then mood is down. 
and that does what feels like depression is there. Um, and I think it's just one I'd be really concerned about. And it's got like for all dairy. milks or it just all the, milk, kind of the, no. the fortified ones? So all, all milk will not, will not naturally be added in as part of the actual processing of, well, not oh, processing yeah. is the wrong word even on dairy, but just in production of dairy yeah. with it. Iodine, it's part of, so it comes in with that, um, like it is, it is added as such with it as part of that. So it's, it's in the milk for that reason. Um, but it is an important source and I find most people just don't, just don't even enter their head about iodine and how important it is. And it's particularly important for brain development during pregnancy, which is why we are very worried about it in Ireland at the moment. Um, but just from a mood point of view, definitely one to watch. Omega-3s. So omega-3 are just really fascinating when it comes to the whole area of sort of mood and brain and health. And I think what we need to remember is your brain is 60% fat. Most of the fat in your brain is omega-3 and it's a particular type called DHA. And DHA is this lovely fat and it's part of brain and nerves. So, you know, if you think of your nervous system, your nerves as big, long strings, and then you have this little jacket of fat around it. And it's a bit like this sort of lagging jacket around copper piping. And it helps to keep the signal going where we want it to go. And so DHA is really important in brain development through pregnancy, early childhood. But as kind of adults, um, we need to maintain that. You know, we update our bodies all the time and we do that, you know, with our food, what we're eating. So we have to keep topping that up. So we do know that people who have lower levels of omega-3s. So DHA is one and EPA and they're two that come from fish. So when those are low in the body, we do see more anxiety. We see more depression. We even actually see more aggressive behaviour if they get very, very low. Um, And then in studies, when people start to take them, we see reduced anxiety, but we also see better focus, better memory, better concentration. So there's huge advantages and importance to these particular types of fats that we can eat. And how many portions of fish a week? Is it more the merrier? Yeah, I mean, two at least. Well, one, one we'd always say, like, if you can get at least one in, that's going to be fantastic. But fish isn't equal when it comes to omega-3. So you're looking at your oily fish to get the big amount. So your salmon, your mackerel, sardines, trout would be really good. So if you eat a, a serving of salmon, you're going to get about 2,700 milligrams of the fish oil set you're after. If you eat sea bass, which is a white fish, you will get 400, which is actually not bad. Um, other white fish, you might be looking at 20. I'm, I, I eat the white fish. I don't mm. eat any anything else I'm a full I'm a very odd eater in many ways but from a fish perspective it's yeah what hake cod all of that but the rest of it no no so the, I mean the oily fish are much stronger tasting so you're definitely not alone and people are like I just can't now the honest I often joke 16 girls will get you eating anything but you might need to put sauce on it or do something with it and I think in Ireland as well we tend to think of fish fried in a pan whereas if you can mix it into a risotto if you can put it into a fish pie if you can mix it into other things the flavours are masked fish in a curry is a fantastic way to get people eating fish if they're fish not into in a it curry. yes oh, but there's really lovely ways to do it <laughs> like if you did a Thai green curry but you put uh, salmon into it so, but look, it's if you can't, but I said the sea bass is a good now I mean there's always supplements and I have to say as a dietitian, food first but if someone is really just not going to take the fish, you would look at a good fish oil supplement. And I'm emphasising fish oils here because although you do get omega-3s in plants, it's different. The type of omega-3 in plant is a type called ALA. Now, ALA has fabulous benefits elsewhere in the body. It's great for lowering cholesterol, you know. But when we look at things like anxiety, depression, brain health, we're just not seeing quite the same benefits from the plant omega-3s. So you can actually get vegan DHA, which comes from seaweed. So you will get a little bit of DHA in seaweed. Now, you'll never eat enough seaweed to get enough DHA. Um, but it's extracted and into supplements. So you can get this sort of vegan DHA, which is quite popular. Um, but it is fish that you're really looking for with this. And we see tremendous benefits, even in terms of helping to prevent things like Alzheimer's and dementia with getting the fish in. But definitely from anxiety, depression, your EPA is just a gorgeous omega-3 to be taking. 
And it is really important to say that, you know, there's no certain food that will cure anxiety no. or depression. And we're not suggesting in any way, shape or form Definitely that that's going to be the case. No. That, you know, obviously chat with your GP, but any of the things that we talk about over the course of the episode, they will improve your mood and giving your body the best kind of foundation possible to be well. And I mean, there's research looking at diets and mood. And, you know, people would look at, say, the Mediterranean type diet as as one method. And it's been studied to show to improve mood. But it's you've got the fibre in there. You have, you know, the different fruit and vegetables. You have the fish. You have all these things that we were talking about. And that's one way of putting it together. And I think if you have depression for whatever reason or no reason you understand, have a look at your diet because one thing that does happen if people start to get anxiety and depression they often start to eat badly so you know you might start out with a great diet you know you know we said poor diet doesn't necessarily cause it but suddenly if you're depressed you don't feel like cooking you don't feel and like shopping if you're, if you're you know mm. having a bad day yeah. of low mood and you may not suffer from anxiety or depression mm. you're just having a bad day yeah. and you're more likely to ring the takeaway on the way home yeah. and once in a blue moon that's fine we all do that's, that yeah. but it's the regular and, you know, so what we'd often see is by the time I might see someone in a clinic, someone is eating no fruit, no veg, you know, dinner is a bowl of cereal or a takeaway. You know, it's just and so you might start a off feeling cereal, well. Bowl of cereal, I think, for dinner is a, very, is a very common thing. Very common thing. Very common. And like, again, not the worst thing you could go for, but, you know, in terms of getting protein and all those other things in. But it just means that by the time you might see somebody, diet can be so bad. So maybe things would have picked up, only they're, they're just not giving their body the nutrients that are needed. Um, and if all else fails, you can start with supplements. But I would start leaning into food because you're not getting fibre from your supplements. And that's a lovely place. I'd often say just start there. Start by increasing fibre and then you can make another change with it. It's not always easy to start making changes when you are just in that place. Um, but one small change. And on the, fi- on the fibre component then, talk to me about how you might know if you're not getting enough fibre. Is it bowel movements? <laughs> it is, is bowel it movements is. Okay, largely, yeah. Okay. All right, look, we'll jump in and just Absolutely. do it. So, we're um, we talk about all things here in real health. Absolutely, we're not, well, we're not shy. So, so uh, presumably you start with people, the question people always ask is what's normal? So, so that can vary, I presume. It, a little bit, but not really. Because okay. um, one part, I often hear people say, oh, well, that's normal. And actually it isn't at all. And it's just, it's normal for them is I've been doing that my whole life, but not necessarily okay. So, well, sorry for people on this, but basically you should be going to the loo once or twice a day. It should not be once or twice a week. And if you're going more than twice a day, I'd probably go and check that up. Um, It should come out easily. If you're going every day, but you're kind of taking 15 minutes to kind of get it out, um, you probably need to increase your fibre. Um, And it should look like a crack sausage. And okay. when, I, when I'm talking to children... People all around the country grimacing. I know. Grimacing well, the amount of people say, I don't look. earphones in. Well, you know, when, when we're talking to children about what their bowel habits are, you know, um, especially around celiac disease, the question we ask them is, are you getting Brussels sprouts, cucumbers or custard? <laughs> so, and you want cucumbers, by the way. Quote of the day. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But that's really good. Cool. Again, this is this is what this is what the podcast is here for. It's like this is these are nuggets that you need to listen to and take away. Uh okay, so that, that that's how you know if you need to get more fiber into, into the body. It's, or not. it's one of the ways. Yeah. One of the ways, yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes a big difference. And again, give us the, the, the recommendation for fiber. So we're looking for at least twenty five grams a day, which means nothing to most people. Um but a bowl of porridge will give you three. An apple will give you two. Okay. Um, a spoonful of seeds might give you two or three. So what I find is most people think they're eating enough fibre. They think, well, I'm having my bowl of porridge and I'm having a banana, but I'm kind of going, that's like five grams of fibre a day and you're 20 grams short. So the rule for fibre is a third of each meal at least needs to be fruit, salad or veg. 
You need to get a spoonful or two of seeds in every day and you need to be going for the brown, brown bread, brown pasta, brown rice. And if you can kind of get that going, it's brilliant. I mean, vegans and vegetarians are way ahead because they get their protein from their pulses, their beans, their lentils. So their fiber is just phenomenal. It's brilliant. But you don't have to be on a plant based diet, you know, but you can have the vegetarian meal. You can put a handful of lentils into, you know, your shepherd's pie, into your spaghetti bolognese. There's loads of ways of topping this up. Um, But it's a lovely way of just bringing up the fiber with that. Um, So, yeah. As ever, it's been. I love it when you come in the studio. It's fascinating. You've all this content in your head and dying for someone to ask. It's brilliant. Like that's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if people want to follow you, I do on Instagram. If people want to follow you, where can they find you? So I'm at Sarah Kyo or D on Instagram, and my website is eatwell.ie. Sarah, thank you for joining us today. As ever, we'll have you back in. We've got lots more topics we're going to pick your brain on over the course of the next while. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Health. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Instagram and realhealth at independent.ie. You've got lots of homework and lots of tips to try over the course of the next week or so. And we'll see you next week for more Real Health. It's long and full. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Pride sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.